0: So let's start by asking some basic questions about Rashi Hashanah. Um, think them through. For those of you who have not had in class before, what we usually do is we try to build a whole list of questions. We're then gonna try to build a whole concept and then we're we'll gonna go back and try to answer all our questions based on that concept to start. So this coming Sunday night and Monday, we are going to be celebrating the new year. Now, if you think about as Americans, what are associations with New Year are? What do you normally think? New Year's Champagne, and New Year's Resolution. New Year's Resolution, right. I mean, it's like parties, Right, like confetti, horns, um, fireworks. Nice. <laughs> um You know, we Jews always seem to do things that a little bit differently from the rest of the world. And um, the way we are celebrating Rosh Hashanah is quite in a different mode. So, first of all, I guess the first question we have to ask is, what makes this day the Jewish New Year? Like, the Chinese have the Chinese New Year. The Christian world has the Christian New Year, which is based on when Jesus had his wrist But... In the middle of October, we kind of stop our lives and we say, okay, everybody, Jews are celebrating the New Year. What makes this the beginning of the New Year? It's the creation of that. And we like accept yeah. um, the Torah officially. We accept the Torah officially first in Shavuot right. and then again on Purim. There's a hurry acceptance on Purim. But we you know that usually, like most holidays, and you know this too, right? Most holidays in Judaism are usually commemorative of some major event that happened in Jewish history. Like Pesach is, we got out of Egypt. And Shavuot, we got the Torah. And Hanukkah, we rededicate the menorah and the Beit Hanukkah, right? What happened in Jewish or in world history that makes this date? the start of a whole new year. Creation of the world. Great, great, good, so that's one thing we're gonna have to look at a little more deeply, creation of the world, good. Number two, the way we celebrate the day. You have this, by the way, on your sheet, Rosh Hashanah. Question number one, why in October, here we have some more, Anybody else? Why in October do we stop our lives and have a Jewish New Year? Every holiday always commemorates some event in history. What event in history makes this the Jewish New Year? Number two, what are we actually doing on Rosh Hashanah? Well, we start Rosh Hashanah like any Shabbos. We light candles. We don't say, L'Had Shabbat, we say L'Had L'Kner Yom Tov, right? Because it's a Yom Tov, it's a holiday. The men go to shul, they eat daven, they pray. The women optionally can go, even though usually on Shabbat, most women do not go to shul Friday night. On Rosh Hashanah many women do choose to go to shul because, speaking of the New Year, it's a time for more intense chila and prayer in general. So it's optional, not everyone does, but many do. Um, we make kiddush, just like we do on Friday night, but here it's not for Shabbos, it's for unto. We have challah. The challah is not going to be the braided ones. The minhug the to usually is the people do those round to Anybody like what? A circle of light. A circle of light, right? Restarting what good the, the the renewal starting over. Also looks like the shape of a crown and we're car made shen on this day. So when you see that round challah on the table or when you're going to your grocery and buying those round challahs, it's supposed to be a, a signal or reminder to us of the kingship of Hashem, which is being renewed on that day. This is not halakha, this is minha, right? This is just the custom. If you like grated salads, and you're doing your own baking, and you want to grade yours, you're not transgressing or violating anything, you do it either way you want. This is just custom. Then we have the of meal. Um, at the meal, we do those special signs, dipping the apple in the honey, um, eating pomegranates because of the many seeds, which is to remind, supposed to remind us of the many mitzvahs, many, all the kinds of signs. This is also not halacha, but it's minhag. It's a very strong minhag. Then the next morning we go for shofar blowing. We hear, we do our, our prayers and our services in shul. And the second day, there's the custom of doing tashlif at the wall. Question number two, what are these signs about at the moon, right? It sounds like it was a lot of fun when you were a kid, you know, just the ass is behind honey. <laughs> but like, what's the whole idea, it sounds a little bit like, what's the whole concept of these signs on the moon? Now, if I would ask you, what's the main emotion that you think of when you think Rosh Hashanah? Fear. Fear. <laughs> Why would you say fear? Because it's like, I feel like when you're younger, maybe not so much, but now I feel it because it's all about like judgment day. So it's like everything will be decided. Like all your thoughts have to be correct thoughts. Like focus on the job. like all the things. You just have to be really extra focused, so. Alex is definitely on target. Like in Hebrew, the days are called yamin, yam, yom. Days, no rain. no rain is year. Like they are fearful, they're awesome days. They really are very awesome. Just the whole idea that our lives and our upcoming year is being totally judged and decided upon on that day makes it definitely a very serious, sober kind of day. So that explains why we're not partying, right? We're not just like going confetti and, and doing fireworks because it's like a really serious judgment happening. When your kids go to um, preschool, Jewish preschool, they come home in kindergarten with the picture of the big scales and the Averat and the sins on one side and the Mitzvot on the other side, and, like, you have that visual aid of, like, the Mitzvot being laid. question is, if this day is such a sober, serious day of Hashem judging life and death, then what exactly are we celebrating? It sounds like we should be making this more of, like, a day of fasting, like Yom Kippur. Ironically enough, if you look at the Jewish books, it really describes that Yom Kippur is a day of, love, and Rosh Hashanah is a day of fear. Which you wouldn't think, you'd kind of think the opposite. But if Rosh Hashanah really is a day of fear, then why are we dressing up in Yom Tov's holiday clothing? And why are we making a whole meal and celebrating? And why are we saying like in the bedroom? You know, it doesn't sound like it's, it's it's a day of joy. So if you look at question number three, Why do we celebrate on a, that's a typo, you can fill Mm -hmm. that in, on a day of judgment? And in Tehillim, David HaMelech, King David, actually describes the the feeling of of Rosh Hashanah is supposed to be rejoice in awe, which is some type of like combination here together of like joy and celebration and fear altogether. The question we have to figure out tonight is like, how do we weave those two emotions together what are we celebrating? What are we feeling joyful about? And the awe oh part I think is more clear, right? And the last question, we're going to hear shofar blowing on Rosh Hashanah morning. What is the deeper meaning of shofar? Like what are some of the things we be thinking about when we hear it, and what are the messages of the shofar? Okay, so four questions. What makes this our Jewish new year? Why are we doing all these interesting signs? What are we celebrating? What's the joy about? And what is the meaning of Shofar? Any other questions you want to add into our list? Yeah, there's a clarifying question. I forgot where I read it, but I I heard somewhere that the time up to, our to Elul was when Moshe had gone back up after the right. people we were initially broken. I'm just trying to reconcile in my head what it's I'm the, thinking about. I think that's yeah. Why I was thinking that. The back up Okay, good, good. So Jessica's referring to an event that's happening right after we get out of Israel, right? Right. Okay. We got the Torah on which holiday? Shavuot. 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 That's the sixth of Sivan. That's right? the first time we got the Torah? That's right. the first time we got the Torah. That's when the whole Nation stands at Har Sinai and we hear Hashem speak to us. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that event is described in and in the garden is the event is so overpowering, so awesome that the Jews say we're gonna we can't survive this, we're gonna die. So they turn to Moshe and they say, You go up and take it, and we're gonna go back to our tents. Moshe first says, Who do you want to hear Hashem talk? But then he speaks to Hashem, and Hashem says, Good idea. They heard me already. So they go back, and the next 40 days and 40 nights, Moshe Mageden goes and up to Harsina. Now, I don't know if you know your Jewish months. Sixth of Sivan is Shavuot. Forty days and forty nights means a month and ten days, right? Thirty days plus ten days is forty. So after Sivan comes Tammuz, then So sixth of Sivan plus forty days will be, thirty days will be the sixth of, of Tammuz plus another ten days will be sixteenth of Tammuz. So that's the day that they thought Moshe Rabbeinah should be coming down. Mm-hmm. They miscalculated because to the 17th tabloid. And then they do the send the golden cat the Chez Ha'edah. That's the cast data we have in Talibs. Mm-hmm. So at that point, they lose, they lose those muchos, Moshe Rabbeinah breaks them. Mm-hmm. And Moshe Rabbein says they am destroying all the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbein says, please don't destroy them. He goes back up to 40 days and 40 nights means that they should be destroyed. So he goes back up in Chalmers, mid Chalmers, it's 40 days and 40 nights, so which takes us into of, um, till the end of of. Um. Hashem says, I'm forgiving them, meaning I'm not destroying them, but they still don't have the lukha back again. So mm-hmm. Hashem tells Mokrebi the right sign with you, your, your forgiveness and your truth complete is that you will now get the second lukha, come back up. He goes back up the first of Elul for 40 days and 40 nights again. That's the third round of 40 days and 40 the nights. They start Rosh Chodesh Elul and then they'll go till Yom Kippur, which will be the 10th of Tishrei. So that's because I think what we both heard—I don't know what it was—but that Elul was designed for Shuba because of this reason. Because Moshe went back up and we're trying to redeem ourselves after. Right. So that was uh, like the nucleus DNA of- So young before that you actually come with the Now he's and he spoke back in color uh, again. Now I didn't connect, it. Yes, you're right. We mm-hmm. you get the the second nucleus of on people. Good, Yes, okay. Good. Thank you. Great. Great, thank you for asking. Good. Um, so let's start with question number one. First of all, what happened on this day that makes it Rosh Hashanah, you said? Correctly, that this is the day of the creation of the world. Do you want to look under the dotted line and do you want to read that Mishnah Rosh Hashanah? Mishnah Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Eliezer says, In Tishrei, the world was created. Ah, so if you ask, what makes this the Jewish New Year? The answer would be this is the day that Hashem made the world 5,777 years ago, next week, which is in itself just an awesome concept, right? Really, really, really amazing. Um, so what's happening is every year on the anniversary of the creation of Project World, Hashem is, like as it were, like He's stepping back and He's doing an evaluation of this project. Is it progressing in the direction that I really want it to go? Is it achieving the goals of what I wanted it to accomplish? What experiences does the world need to go through for the upcoming year that will get the world closer to the goals that I wanted to achieve? It it's only one question. We said it's creation of the world. How long did it take for the world to be created? Seven days. seven days. So when Rabbi Eliezer says in Tishrei the world was created, does that mean day one of creation, day two, day seven? Mm-hmm. seven. Right. So the a lot. Great. So do you want to take one read the second the second um, source, Rabbi Nisan? Rabbi Nisan is a commentary on the Mishnah, and here's what he explains. Uh, So actually, Rosh Hashanah, that is not day one. Day one of creation will be six days before Rosh Hashanah, which would mean tonight and tomorrow. (laughs) That's that's pretty awesome, right? So today was like day one of light and dark. The next day was heaven, skies, and firmament, and earth. The next day. Which would be the first day would be um, dry land and grass and trees versus ocean. Like each piece is coming into place. But Rosh Hashanah is the last day of creation, which is day number six. Now the obvious question is: If you're celebrating project world, shouldn't you celebrate the project on the day you began it, not on the day you ended it? Right? So why does Hashem make? Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year, on the sixth day of creation instead of on the first day of creation. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, it hasn't created you know, the world. <laughs> we'll <ask> so. <laughs> Okay, good. So, Adam's <laughs> <I> experience. <suggest. story. laughs> also, the way, like, um, it's, it's not, like, complete and to, like, finish it. Like, if you, I don't know. Nice. If somebody nice. else is to finish it for you, like, they get this. That's a very good point. This comes from a very educated, learned person in (laughs) Torah. You're right. A mitzvah is only called by the name of the person who completed it. So that means it's not until Hashem completed the world that is really considered finished project. So it doesn't celebrate till the end. Good. Alex is also saying correctly, because she's saying the goal of creation was men. Maybe we're just being very egocentric, and we just feel like we're the best, and like the goal of creation was us. Who says the goal of creation is us, or why is the goal of creation us? Hashem told us that, isn't it so that Torah? Okay. So if you look at the very first rationing of Reishit, it says, Be-Reishit. be means, for the sake of Reshit. Who's Reishit? The Jewish people, and Torah. So Hashem created the world for Jews and for Torah, so he doesn't, celebrate Rosh Hashanah until there are humans in the world, there could be a Jewish people, and there could be Torah, right? I'm just going to keep playing devil's advocate. Why does Hashem need Jewish people to keep Torah? Why does He care? Well, He doesn't need us to keep Torah. I feel like that's for ourselves, but He created us out of some, like, has that, like, He needed something to give to, maybe? Good. You've done Ramchal a little bit, Lutzata? Oh, yeah. I love it. Rabbi Heshem? Karlinsky. Karlinsky. Yeah, he did. loves Dara Hashem. This is Dara Hashem, you're doing this. Okay. I enjoy. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Jen saying, Hashem's goal in creation was to yeah. get. Let's work, let's work two piece by piece for a thousand Sorry, I wish I brought my board, but I'm going to try to just build it. Step one. Could it be that Hashem created the world because he needed or wanted people to serve him? Mm-hmm. How do you know that philosophically? Why can't that be? Because a not lying. By definition, if Hashem is complete and perfect. A being who's complete and perfect has no lacks. If he has no lacks, he has no needs. So it can't be that Hashem created Torah and the Jews because he needed people to like dab in Him every day and tell Him, you're a oh, great, awesome, powerful God. He didn't need me to keep Shabbos, right? Good. So since he didn't need us, the Ramchah says, if Hashem is whole and complete and perfect, a complete perfect being doesn't need to get. It has so much to give forth. So Hashem is so whole that he's like overflowing with kindness, with goodness, with love. I sometimes think of the image of the pitcher. The pitcher is so full that it's like overflowing with water. Now that water could either spill onto the ground, or the water could have a cup that's receiving the benefit of that water. To the pitcher, doesn't really make a difference either way. Whether the water spills out on the ground, or whether there's a cup there. Right? Does it make a difference to the pitcher? No, No, it's just flowing over the Good, right? But, to the cup that can receive the goodness, and to the benefit, it's to its benefit together. So Hashem says, keziyachal, as it were, Hashem is this overflowing fountain and source of love and goodness and wholeness and completeness. Now, that wholeness was going nowhere. So Hashem said, I want to be able to create a universal place where I can give forth my goodness. Good. Where do we see that Hashem, that God gives goodness in the world? Everything, right? Like, Whose sunlight did we enjoy today? Not just us, but like every plant was enjoying the sunlight no more than the photosynthesis. And the, the plants are getting water from Hashem every day, and the animals are getting food and water. So, how do we know that, why do we say that the world is really for us? If the goal was giving goodness, he's giving goodness to every creation out there. Also have a relationship because we're the only beings that have free will, so we're the only ones that are in control and um, going here, But you have to just make the connection to so then what's the goodness that Hashem really wanted to give? Oh, our so Also, intrinsic goodness, like being like, I mean, that was from that, but like the reason why you created us in such a way with free will is that you have like. He's intrinsically good. So if he just like made us without free will, and we we're just like mitzvah robots, then we wouldn't be able to be like to emulate him intrinsically. Like, you like, mean, doing this well. Great, great. Mm-hmm. So Jen is saying, first of all, you know what the ultimate goodness that there is in the universe is? Who is that? Hashem Himself. He is ultimate good. So Hashem is giving goodness every minute of the day, not just to us. He's giving plants and animals and everything. But because Hashem is perfect, Hashem says, I don't want to just give any level of goodness. I'm going to give the ultimate, most complete, perfect goodness that there is in in reality, which is Hashem himself. He is intrinsic good. That's the word he used. That's one of the reasons why the English word for Hashem is God. G dash D. G dash D. What's that dash? What's that missing dash? What are the missing letters there? Okay. It's a contraction of good. God is really just a, a contracted version of goodness. And so when people want to say, like, oh my God, if they don't want to say that word, they might say, like, oh my goodness. Goodness is like just an alternative term for godliness. So when Hashem said, I want to give good, he said, I can give chocolate and mangoes and Niagara Falls and Disneyland and many levels of good. Those are all awesome. But... There's a higher level of goodness that I can give in the universe, which is me. So I want to create a being who not only will have physical experience, but will have the possibility of connection with me, of finding me, of discovering me. That's the direction we are going, right? Mm-hmm. And that could not occur until it was a thinking, intelligent being out there calling you. Because you can't say to a dog, um, you know, today's young kipper. You don't mind refraining from eating today, mm-hmm. there's a higher spiritual connection that we're going to be attaining and achieving. Refrain from eating food so that you can elevate yourself to a higher spiritual level, right? You can say to a cat, um, you know, please be careful with your cat food dish. That one is Felix's over there. We're mm-hmm. gonna be very honest and keep our boundaries appropriate, right? Like there's no sense of like higher spiritual moral choice and development as you were talking about, which means They can't develop math. I'm just giving a class right now. Can I call you back in about an hour? So the only being that could achieve that intrinsic good of of choosing godliness and choosing goodliness would be an intelligent, thinking being. So Hashem says, I can't celebrate Rosh Hashanah on the day that I made light and dark or on the day that I made plants and animals or the day that I made insects and fish because all those things are just means in the universe and I'm going to give them goodness. But the highest level of my goal of the universe is making a being who'll have the chance to find and discover me, and to connect to me, and to bring that out into in the universe and the world. This is why the Hebrew word for the world, if you look in the middle of your page now, we're up to like, we're skipping Master Rosh Hashanah for one minute, why day number six? We are the purpose, as Alex said, Right? We are the purpose of creation. The Hebrew word for world is olam, which comes from the Hebrew root ne'elam. Ne'elam means hidden or concealed. If you want the Hebrew spelling on this, it would be ayin vav lamed mem. Ayin vav lamed mem is olam. Ne'elam is nun ayin lamed mem. They both have the same ayin lamed mem. So then the title or the, the name of our world in Hebrew is "place of hiddenness," "place of concealment," which means the goal of this world. We're not going to see truth or Hashem in front of our eyes. And we gave this example in some of our in some of our other classes. If I. I take this bottle of seltzer, right? It doesn't come with a little label attached that says, this is made for me by Hashem with love Enjoy." And, and then I look at it and I say, wow, Hashem, thank you so much. You made this water source because you love me and because you're caring for me and nurturing me. Baruch atah Hashem. doesn't happen. All it says on the label here is Canada Dry. You know, like, and made, I don't know, New York, Maine, I don't know where, where it's from. But like they're not telling me the initial source. They're telling me the factory that was I, as an intelligent thinking being, have to look and say to myself, but wait a minute, where do they get the water source from? Where does the water come from in the whole water cycle? It comes from the clouds. How do the clouds get water? And then I can find Hashram in the picture. Um When I am pulling out of my driveway in Brooklyn and I have somebody double parked behind me blocking my driveway and I'm in a rush to get out, I don't have a little display on my dashboard that says, hi, this is Hashem testing you right now to (laughs) give you a chance to exercise your meter. Let's see how you'll react at the moment, right? Like It would be very nice if I had that clarity like spelled out for me. This world is a love. It's thin, it's concealed. And the daily life experiences that we're going through are always giving us that chance and that opportunity to like rediscover where is Hashem in this picture? Why is Hashem putting me through this? What can I grow through this experience in finding godliness and in finding Hashem? So therefore, Hashem says, I am celebrating Rosh Hashanah on the day that humans are created because the goal of creation of this whole universe was for humans to find food. So what happens every Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah becomes a day of judgment for men. Why is he judging men? Because this is the day that he created Project Man and Project World. And what he's really doing is he's looking at every one of us human beings and doing an evaluation of, is this person interested and committed in the goals and reasons of why I made the universe. Are they looking for godliness? Are they looking for truth? Are they investing and making choices that are bringing a higher level of goodness and of truth and of godliness into their lives and into the world? Not only what did they do in the past, but what life experiences does this person individually need to go through to be able to help bring them to a greater possibility or potential for connection. And for every person, that can be a very individual thing because every person has their own personal connection and mission of why they're here in the world. So for one person, Hashem can say, um, she needs to find a nice spacious apartment in Manhattan because part of her mission in the world is to be able to have the space to be able to host Shabbos guests, to be able to um, have people come and learn Torah in her apartment, to be able to just have like a comfortable living space to be able to grow as a person. For another person, Hashem might say, you know what, this person has to have more limited financial resources, and their challenge in life will be working through how am I gonna prioritize my money? Like what am I gonna put my money into if I only have this amount? Am I gonna still put any money towards tzedakah or not? Um, Am I going to buy the Lexus? Am I going to remodel my kitchen? Am I going to pay for my kids' tuition in Jewish day school? Where am I going to put that money into? So when we're talking about the day of din or of judgment, you know, like we usually think about it as, what well, we learned in kindergarten is, Hashem is weighing, how many mitzvah did I do last year, how many averot did I do last year? The Sparta, the, the deeper Sparta we talk about, it's not so much about what did I do in the past, it's more about what are my aspirations and goals and strivings for the upcoming year. What do I really want to become this year? What's really important to me? And Rabbi Akita Tatt says very beautifully that, you know, we usually think, like the world year, there is here, 5,777 years. And now, like, Hashem is just saying, okay, keep going. He says that's a, mis- a mistaken notion. He said what really happens is, every year on Rosh Hashanah, just as Hashem created the world then, Hashem reconceives the whole universe all over again from the beginning point, all over again. So it's not like, you know, usually I kind of feel like, okay, I'm Ivy Kazan, but Hashem, I have, like, my family with my five kids and my husband, and I live in Brooklyn, and I have my house, and... And now, Hashem, here are the things that I would like to kind of alter and change and add to. Like, um, it would be nice if this kids could do a little bit better in school. We could use a little bit more financial resources. I'd like to be really healthy for the upcoming year. Rabbi Tat says, what really happens is, Rosh Hashanah is the restart from point zero of every item and every person all over again. And the judgment and the evaluation is kind of, What things should this person experience and have for this coming year? Should I still have my spouse? Should I have a new spouse that I don't have yet? Do I need another year of being on my own to work through certain things individually before I find a spouse? Um, If I have kids this year, what am I going to do with those kids? What are my goals with those kids? Is it just like fun having a baby to push me a baby carriage and to dress up into children's clothing? Um, or a gap, or whatever else you like? Or do I have goals of what I feel having this child I will be able to give and nurture and educate this child to be, right? So, if you look in the middle of the page where it says one of the things we're gonna daven, and this way we can still do a little bit of davening. You don't have it in the Hebrew here. I think I have it on this poster, yes. Every time we finish blowing on Rosh Hashanah, one of the lines that we're going to read is, Hayom Harat Olam. Literally, today the world is conceived. Harat, herayon, means pregnancy or conception. Every time I school, if you forget what herayon is, pregnancy, what is the two-letter root of the word? Say it again? I didn't har. hear. Har, right? What's a har? mountain. mountain, right? An <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that like goes high and builds from it, right? Every Rosh Hashanah, it's not like Hashem made the, 5, 000, made the world hundred 7, seven seven years ago. Hashem is reconceiving and remaking the world and every one of us in it, again. Now if you think about that moment of conception, that moment of conception is really powerful because all the DNA and all the genes of what is going to play out in that child's body, IQ, color eyes, color hair, every piece of it is all contained in that one moment of conception. Conception is not pregnancy. Conception is that actual dot of sperm which contains in it everything that will play out. So if God forbid, I get an injury. At my points in life, I can get bruised and it hurts, but hopefully a week later, two weeks later, I treat it and it it heals. If a baby or a fetus during pregnancy gets damaged, it's not just something that gets fixed within a week or two weeks, right? That can affect the child's development over the next 80 years of their lives. If at the moment of conception, that dot and that drop of sperm has mutations in the genes, that will affect everything over the next nine months and over the next 80, 90 years. So I don't mean to get us too scared and too adab, but if you think about it really, Rosh Hashanah is the moment, again, of conception of the upcoming year and of the upcoming universe really all over again. And that's why the day really is scary and awesome and powerful because it has so much potential in it. Um, the mystical sermon say that that I'm a person to try to be careful not to get angry not to be in negative mindsets not to get into criticism negativity towards oneself and towards others because you're kind of setting the DNA genes of what you want your thought patterns to be how you want Hashem to relate to the world you're setting that, those not in those thought patterns Thoughts in concept. And we already said, the Zohar says, This is not a judgment from the world just of past action. This is the recreation of the world again. Everything is up for grabs. Meaning we're starting again from point zero and therefore in person it's appropriate to pray into Tadan for everything in one's life and to be grateful and appreciative for everything one has already. I mean, if I have a good job, a good IQ, good family members, it's a time to share I'm so appreciative of this. Please help me have these things again for the upcoming year because these are my support systems and my tools and my utensils for me to be able to achieve and accomplish what I'm supposed to be here for. Out. Right. So, It's a little weird that it's like this one day. It's like for two days, would feel like really perfect. And what about like I'm just Hashem? Like no, like look at the performance from the past year. It's like a test. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, like how you've done the whole year, and like part of that is, or it's just like the one day. So, <laughs> so it's definitely right. I don't mean to say that the past action and past performance and track record does not come into play. Because right, like when if if I'm, I'm working in a job and December 31st, they're kind of, or January 1st, they're making plans for the upcoming year, they will look back at what did I contribute to that company over the last year, and then the decision for the upcoming year will be, what resources does this person need? Does she need her own private office, or is she fine working with four other people? Does she need her own phone line? Does she need a lunch break or a vacation for two weeks to be able to accomplish her job? The resources that I will need for the upcoming year will have to do with my track record in the past, but if I could come in to the CEO on January 1st and say, based on my past record, here are my upcoming plans of what I would like to achieve for the company during this year. I think I can build the this, this, this unit a bit of it and this, and if you give me these tools to do it, this is what I would dedicate them to, then you know I, I have a plan of presentation. So I'm Rosh Hashanah. We're not talking so much about what I did wrong in the past. That's in Kippur, right? We don't do any confessions of like, I, you know, I spoke Hashem Hara and I didn't eat kosher food, and I, right? That's all the past. What we, the whole davening is about is making Hashem king. It's all about coronation of Hashem, which makes it hard because sometimes it feels a little boring or a little repetitive, like Hashem you are king, Hashem you are king. But the goal of all those verses is not just to say, I know 5,770 years ago you made the world. The goal of those verses is to really say to Hashem, I want to have a relationship with you. Because you know what Hashem is really judging, am I one of his beings out there who's interested and committed to the goal of finding the good, of finding Hashem and connecting to him. So what I present to Hashem and Rosh Hashanah is, hi, I'm interested in your project, I'm trying, here are some of the things that I think might be helpful to me. It's appropriate to, for a person to think about what life circumstances they think would be enabling. But the main davening in Rosh Hashanah is not about what I'm asking for. The, the Zohar says that a person who spends most of their davening in Rosh Hashanah is saying, like, give me this, give me that, give me that. It's like a dog who's barking and is kind of saying, the Hebrew word for barking is hav. They don't say ruf they say hav ha. So here, have, have, hav. You know what have also means in Hebrew? Have, okay. have, so give me, give me, give me. Meaning, the, the goal of the Rosh Hashanah Daven is not asking Hashem so much for things, but saying to Hashem, "Here's my my vision of how I want to be able to be part of your world and contribute something very meaningful with my life and with my time." Please grant me another year of life, and please grant me those life circumstances that will help me and enable me to get there. Yeah. So we can ask? So, or not? So it's better in general not to be, um, like, listing specifics so much. Sorry, I I, I don't have the the sheets for you here, because I wasn't sure if you were doing Shmonasri or this. But if you look in Shmonasri for, the whole 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. There are those like special editions that we add in. So there are six lines throughout the that we're adding in. Most of them will say things like, remember us for life, king who who, who desires life, and write us down in the book of life. who is the source of all life, right? So the, um, the, deeper, the deepest part of explain that when we're asking for life, we're really not just asking for our hearts to continue beating for another 365 days. It's not just saying, like, please keep me going. The life is really saying to Hashem, this year please help me have a life that's really alive that's really accomplishing, that's really connecting to you, that's really achieving the goals of what life is about. Now, the first three are really prepared for spiritual developments and growth. The last three are for the physical means to be able to get there. So when you're doing the last three, and it says in the book of life and blessing and peace and good financial income, please write us down, that's the place where I can have in mind the specific circumstances that I need as the means. But the main thing is remembering that the goal isn't just self-oriented, but it's about how can I use this to connect to Hashem, because that's the goal of creation, right? So the the Mashal, when I heard them from Rabbi Kelman, which I thought was a nice one, he said, imagine, you're in a kingdom, and once a year, the king actually comes out to the field to visit all his people. Usually he's out up in the palace, in the, the capital city, and people don't have that much personal involvement, and then once a year, he's coming out and greeting his congregants, his, uh, not congregants, but his nation. He comes out, and everybody out there is saying, Long live the king! long with the king and this is the king they really love, that they really respect and they really you know are in awe and then one person comes over and says uh king i know you're really the king of, of, of this country there are a few things that are i really could use in my family um would you be able to help me out with the this year and um we really could use a bigger house while we're at it and now, yeah, on the one hand you are showing the king that I know that you are the one who's taking care of me and you are the source. But when everybody's saying like, long live the king and cheering the king, for me the only focus on please give me this, that, and the other thing kind of loses a little bit of the, so the main goal of Rosh Hashanah itself is saying, Hashem, I want to make that connection to you. You created humans on this day, I'm one of your humans down here who knows the deeper purpose of the world. It is a lot, it is hidden, it is concealed, but the goal of the concealment is to discover this cover, to remove the cover behind over the concealment and to find you. I want to try to do that a little bit better and more easily. I did that last year. I was committing my last year to it, but we're on a journey. And the journey is 70, 80, 90 years long. And this year, please help me have those life experiences that will get me closer to it too. Um. There, there are different opinions in Halafa as to whether somebody can even be specific in terms of like specifying and saying, "Hashem, please, you know, can I have this thing?" I would say to be to be safe, generally you can have it in mind as you're using as you're saying the general tila of um, asking Hashem for life and, and livelihood and, and all those things. So. I think we answered now question number one. Why in October are we having a Jewish New Year? Every holiday commemorates some event in history. What would be the answer now? What's the what's the commemoration that we're commemorating? The creation of man, and that's why it is the day of judgment for man. What? We do on Rosh Hashanah, why are we doing the signs? That was question number two. So we just spoke about how the gay itself has so much potency and so much power in terms of our thoughts and our goals and our target. So what do we do as we start Rosh Hashanah? We start our mindset with very positive thoughts. We take out that pomegranate and we say to Hashem, see how this pomegranate has all those seeds inside, like 613 of them? These are paralleling the 613 mitzvot that I want to try to fulfill and grow in for this coming year. It's reminding me that every physical experience that I'm going to have during this upcoming year can have a more elevated goal and purpose. I'm not just eating pomegranates. My pomegranates have greater, deeper symbolic meaning, greater mystical energy in them, and I want them to try to use those experiences for a higher goal. When I'm eating those, I don't know if you do the fish egg, it, it says what, it, what, are, what is the prayer when you say the fish head? That we should be a head and not a tail. What's this whole mm-hmm. the idea, like the same fashion, like, please make me on top, not, not behind. Like, sounds almost very egocentric, right? So what's the idea of being a head and not a tail? Well, so, like, top down, like, you, like having, like, your insides spot is as rapid opposed to, like, as well as that. Beautiful, that's exactly it. Help me not just be followed or pulled by my tail, by my animalistic insti- in, instincts, which are the only animals have tails. Help me be the kind of person who's, I'm leading myself. I'm directing my life and my choices, not letting my body direct me. So all these signs are really like life lessons for myself for the upcoming year of where I'm focusing and where, where I'm trying to get to. Why do we celebrate on the Day of judgment? What would you say now? We're celebrating Hashem. Yeah, yeah. We're celebrating our unbelievable possibility and potential for renewal of connection between us and Hashem. Because... What Hashem is saying on this day is, it's not only about the past, it's what do you really want for yourself? And therefore, we have such possibility and such potential on this day, it's scary, but it's also very empowering and very invigorating because it means that we have the possibility to redefine what we want to be for ourselves. I see that, I did have this on the poster, in the part, where we say, remember us for life the Ramchal says, this doesn't mean just physical life, this is talking about really alive life, spiritual life, and growth. And it says, when we read it the Dalvin, chotam yad called adambo, each man's signature is written in the book, which means it's not just like Hashem writing down my judgment, I am really writing down my own judgment, because I am really redefining for myself who I want to become, and what I'm striving for. Hashem says it's your choice, not your life circumstances, but what you will do with those life circumstances for the upcoming year. And that's what I'm really focusing on today. Whatever is going to happen this year, Hashem, I want to really try to use it to reconnect with you. The last thing that I want to end with then, is just the shofar. That was question number four. What is the meaning of the shofar? And I'm just going to give you three short basic ideas that you can think about when they do shofar blowing. Most simple reason why we're blowing shofar. You tell me? That's the round them. That's what I normally So you're already moving into the mystical level two and level three oh. of the whole thing. Remember the golden calf, too. Because this is there like, women aren't obligated to hear the shofar because we didn't participate like, right. in the event. Yeah. So. so, so, because it's also a time-related mitzvah, women are never obligated in, in positive time-related mitzvah, so you are not mm-hmm. obligated, but because we accept this upon themselves the, as a custom throughout the generations, we, 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 yeah. we still do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. one of our controversial rabbis said that. Oh, yeah, right, That we're not obligated because of them. But then he but also said that like, whatever anyone else tells you is right. <laughs> 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 He's wrong. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a birdie. <laughs> so he said even as a custom, they don't have to? He said we do just because, as a custom, we have. But technically, women are not obligated because one of the reasons why we have to listen to Shofar is because the men were the main participants. Well, interesting, interesting. Yeah, there's probably more. The most simple reason is because it says in the Torah, Yom it should be a day of blowing Shofar, meaning it's one of the 613 mitzvot. So before we even go into anything deeper about even wake-up calls. I can just be thinking as I'm here in shofar blowing, Hashem, this is your mitzvah for me today. I want to serve you the way you wrote it in the Torah. You wrote in the Torah this you in shofar blowing, I'm doing what you want me to do. That's level one. Level two, which you're going into deeper, is the wake up call, right? Like, we all get caught in life habits, life patterns, right? Like, every time my husband says X, I always respond with the dance of like, this kind of response, or, Every time my mother pushes my buttons, I always end up responding in this and this way. Or do I really, when I wake up in the morning, always remember to say "moda ani" first thing? Whatever the things are, the chauffeur is that like alarm clock, which is like supposed to arouse me and make me really rethink. Now is a new starting point. It's renewal. It's possibility. What do I really want to work on? What do I want to become? Good. Um, by the way, maybe I should mention. Alex was asking about the past and not just the future. He said, Rosh Hashanah is about the future. What is in Kippur about? The past. That's about the past, right? That's when we do all those confessions. Mm-hmm. So if I'm really sincere on Rosh Hashanah and I say to Hashem, I want you to be my king. That's a very nice, idealistic, noble statement to make. But the question is how does that break down into my practical living? Is Hashem really my king in the way I relate to food? Is Hashem really my king in the way I relate to my money and my finances? Is Hashem really my king in the way I relate to my parents and the way I talk on the phone? So Rosh Hashanah is supposed to be giving me that positive energy of, I want to connect better. I want to find my spiritual mission and goal. Now that I really want to do that, the next ten days I have to work through the details of figuring out in the past where am I really doing it, where am I not? And that's working gives that she's a, it comes from there okay. so shofar sorry we spoke about it's a mitzvah from the Torah I'm doing your mitzvah we spoke about that it's a wake up call the last thought that I want to share with you is one from Rabbi Yitzhak Kutner which is a very beautiful image of what shofar blowing is really meant to also transmit to us if you look at the second page which says Rosh Hashanah Makser, you look at the bottom of the page. Oh. Yeah, you learned it? Do you want to read it over there? Here's the verse in Bereshit, which describes the creation of man. As we read it, try to notice how many ingredients there are in this creation. Just yes. the bottom line? Yes. From An Hashem King How many ingredients? Dust. Dust is one, that's the body. Air. Air coming from, from where? Hashem. Hashem's breath. And that's the soul. Nishal, soul. That's the first. So two ingredients, right? Body made out of dust, and then spiritual soul, which is coming from Hashem's breath. Now, the part that we see on the outside, the body, that's the first thing you see about me as a person, and you relate to it, the way I dress, the way I look. But my real essence, of course, is my inner thoughts, my personality, my, my choices that I have made, which is my soul part of self. What happens is, on Rosh Hashanah, we take a shofar, which is made, made out of a ram, an animal's form. An animal, we said before, only has body, no soul read within from Hashem. So we each have the rim part of ourselves, the animal part, and that's the outside. But concealed, hidden, the olam inside that body is that soul that God breathed into me on this day. So what do we do? On the day of creation of man, we are actually reenacting that creation of man. We're taking the physical body part, which is the animal part. We're blowing from that soul that God blew into me, we're blowing back to him. And we're saying to Hashem, I haven't forgotten that the essence of who I am is not just my job and what I own and what I have, the essence and what I eat and what I drink and what I sleep, but the essence of who I really am is that internal piece of neshama that you drew from your inner essence on this day. And what I'm really recommitting myself to every Rosh Hashanah is finding that spiritual part of myself, developing that spiritual part of myself, and using that to reconnect. That's why the first sound we blow is tikiya. Tikiya is that whole, complete, direct, long sound. That toot, that was that whole Hashem blowing that neshama from him and to me. Unbroken. No disconnect. But after that whole sound, we blow shivarim and teruah, right? Shivarim is, shavar means broken. It's a broken sound. And it sounds like ha, ha, ha. It's like that sighing sound of like, Hashem, there have been a lot of things that have happened in my life, experiences I've gone through, choices I've made, where that wholeness of connection wasn't always there. I didn't always feel your presence in front of me, and I didn't always feel spiritually alive and inspired and connected. That's the shavarin. That is also the chirua. The true is that broken sound of that, like, Ha 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 right? it's also getting to, have to catch your breath, like when somebody's totally wailing around the way, I there's so much that isn't the way I wanted it to be, but we never end with that uh, You know, we end with that whole tikiya again. And what we're really saying on Rosh Hashanah is today I am reconnecting back to that whole place within myself, the places of purity, the places of higher level aspirations, and I'm rebuilding and reminding myself that connection. When I have that, it says the shofar makes Hashem move from his throne of judgment to his throne of mercy. Because Hashem knows we've made mistakes and Hashem knows we're human and he knows we're not not—we're not going to get it perfect by age 17 or even by age 70. So he says, okay, so in that case, if you're recommitted to the goal of why I created man on this day, when I blew that soul into you, you want to really rebuild and reconnect? Then, that Hashem, Hashem should bless us with another year of life and of positive life experiences which will all enable and help us to be able to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get to read, but if you want to just look for yourself at the Rosh Hashanah Matzer, if you look at the the actual, on the same page, on the on top of the line, Jessica, do you want to just read, read out loud? Yes. Do you remember the deeds performed in the world, and recall all that was created in the days of your word? Before you were revealed, all the hidden things and the myriad secrets from the beginning of creation, for there is no forgetting before you, before the throne of your glory, nor is that anything concealed from your sight? Do you remember the entire work of creation, and no creature is in the All is revealed and known before you, Lord our God, who serves the most in the generations. Do you bring the set time of remembrance, that every soul and meaning shall be recalled? that the, the of creatures shall be Now, it sounds a bit almost like Hashem is like sitting there on the throne of judgment saying like, what did you do wrong? And, but it's saying something much, much deeper here. When Hashem is looking at judging us, He's really looking at the whole history of everything the world went through and where is my piece of contribution of godliness in the world. So people who are living through the Holocaust and trying to connect and find God in the concentration camps were going through totally different spiritual struggles than people who are trying to stay connected to God in Manhattan living in New York. And that can be a totally different struggle than a person who grows up in a religious family in Yerushalayim who has to work on different character traits within themselves. So what Hashem is really looking at is like, where's my piece in this whole jigsaw puzzle of world history of what I'm meant to bring out, and what life circumstances for the upcoming year will get me to So therefore, the whole thing that we do is we say to Hashem, I want to be part of your presence. Please give me an important contribution, in part, and help me have those things that I need to be able to get there. Any, any questions or comments? Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned that, um, like, and to like, need to mention that Hashem is sort of deciding what experiences do we need to go through for the year um, like where do we where, in order to is it to actualize our potential or to like what was why is he crafting those experiences so it's in, in Hebrew in the, in the um, section here about remembrances what it says is yuzocher, which means to remember. You, you Do you know a little Hebrew? No. Okay. And it also says yipakeid. <laughs> Let That word's going to come up a lot in the davening dot- I mean, if we're doing it in Hebrew. Yipakeid. Yud, pe, kus, not the kus, dal. Now, that word means to remember. But it also comes from another Hebrew word, which is taskid. <laughs> what is a taskid? your mission, right? So, let's say you walk into my house and I say, listen, I have an important project I want you to take care of for me. I hand you a toolbox, you open it up, you find inside there's a hammer, a screwdriver, some nuts, some bolts, and a set of pliers. Now, you're looking around, you don't see see any instructions, right? Is there a chance that I wanted you to bake a cake? No. (laughs) Is there a chance that I wanted you um, to sew me a new skirt? No. Basically, you look at the tools that you have in your tool package, and then you kind of figure, figure out retroactively, there's something that I wanted you to actually build for me in my home. So when Hashem is looking at my my position for the upcoming year, let's say I can say to Hashem, I'm in a different age, age world, but I can say to Hashem, you know what, please give me the intellectual capacity, be able to explain concepts with clarity, because I think at this point in my life, a part of my mission in this world is being able to teach Torah and be able to explain it onward. There are other people who are real people for people, and their life mission may include, not be exclusively, but include, they're going to like host people in their homes for Shabbos and give people an amazing Shabbos experience of like, well, look what happens when Jews come together and unify as one for a higher spiritual goal and purpose. They may need financial resources to do that, a comfortable house in order to be able to do that, and those people, people towns. So, like, when Hashem is looking at each one of us, it's like, what's my position within my family that I'm going to contribute that God needs? What is my position within my community that I'm going to contribute that God needs? What individual life's life do I need and what external physical life circumstances do I need to be able to get there so it is, it is fine for a person to be able to think like you know what Hashem I think if I would have a marriage partner I would be able to work well with someone else in order to build that but I can also say but Hashem if you're going to give me another year of being on my own I will dedicate that year to trying to figure out what I can work on that will make me a better spouse for when I'm going to get married that's still not for Hashem Thank you. Girls with pleasure being together always always, always.